singing and playing at the piano. Wow. That was good. Amen. For a minute there, I thought they had a recording of his voice in the background and then realized, hey, he's doing it. I don't know. I don't know about you, but man, it's kind of difficult to think about just playing a piano, let alone singing and playing at the same time, right? Wow, that's pretty good. I like that. That was great. Well, tonight we're going to talk about something. I'm going to go ahead and bring this up on our screen here. Let me see. I Need to connect here, I believe. I'm getting good at this after this morning, boy. <clears throat> here we go, there. Ah, there it is. All right. Oh, oh, what's that thing sticking out there? What is that? What is that? Let me see. Oh, that's not going to work, is it? Okay, that's not good. Okay, good. <clears throat> I hate to show up the tech guy. <laughs> well, while we're waiting for him, I guess we just got to figure something else out to do then. Okay, here you go, ladies. This is for you. Yep, this is for you. This is all about the ladies tonight. I don't care about the guys. I just want to keep the ladies happy. What's the thinnest book in the world, ladies? What men know about women. What men know about women. What's the difference between men and government bonds? Bonds mature. <laughs> yeah, you like that one. I can tell they like that one. Come on, fellas, now. How do you save a man from drowning? Take your foot off his head. <laughs> yeah, it's getting rough, ain't it? There? Yeah. How many men does it take to change a roll of toilet paper? We don't know. It's never happened before. 
<laughs> go back to preaching, yeah. You ain't going to like that either. But anyway, what do you call a man with half a brain? Gifted. <laughs> All right. All right, now that we have everything working and in a working order, we can move ahead. All right. Boy, am I glad I just happened to throw those in, right? Well, aren't you? The guys are really happy. I know that. <clears throat> All right. All right. Well, <clears throat> up in front of you tonight on the screen, we're going to be doing this. I'm going to use the PowerPoint tonight. I don't normally do that, but I'm going to tonight. And uh, if, you, if you think that's, uh, uh, you know, there's something really bad about it, Dr. Carl Malone used to do it. You know, he didn't have these wonderful things like we have, these computers and stuff to do it. He had to use an overhead projector. And he'd use overhead projectors all the time on Wednesday nights for sure as he taught his church. And so I guess it's the same basic thing. But anyway, in front of you tonight, you got the healthy food pyramid. When you think about a healthy food pyramid, of course, you're thinking about nutrition and eating healthy and providing you the energy and the nutrition necessary in order to thrive, in order to do well in life. And uh, I mean, it keeps this old body running at an optimal speed if you're eating properly and if you're eating your different food groups and all of that stuff. And so a lot of emphasis today is put on the body. A lot of emphasis is put on, on eating right and all of those things. And I got thinking today, they have their healthy food pyramid. Well, I've got the pyramid of potential. Okay? And you say, well, what's that about? Well, if we're going to run optimally spiritually, if we're going to make sure that we receive the right kind of nutrition, if we, we have the right kind of elements in place in order to succeed in our Christian lives and to thrive in our Christian lives, well then... We're going to need a few elements, a few things to make that happen. And so tonight I want to bring out a couple of those elements, I think, that are necessary and needful if we intend to successfully navigate the Christian life and reach our full potential for the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll consider the pyramid of potential tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership. We thank you for all that you do for us. Now, Father, be glorified in our lives tonight. May you be exalted in all that's said and done. Again, Lord, we turn the service over to you and ask, Lord, that you would be magnified, exalted, and glorified. You're so worthy of our praise. You're so far beyond us. We thank you so much that you even are mindful of man, let alone that you bless us the way you do. Now, Father, meet the needs in our lives, and Father, may we leave here encouraged and instructed inspired, Father, to be better for you. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. The pyramid of potential. Let's start it off. Right here we go. The person. You say, what do you mean? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. And some of you may be going, oh, I already know what that verse says. Boy, if you already know what it says, that's good. You've already got to jump on things. But notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, <clears throat> what the Bible says. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now listen, the bottom line is, is that you and I began our journey in the Christian life the very moment we placed our personal faith in the Lord Jesus. It started there. It began there. And the truth is, is that if we're going to continue to go forward in our Christian lives and to ultimately reach our full potential for Christ, we have to build on a foundation. And that foundation is none other than Jesus himself. 
The Bible says here in this particular passage, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. It's already laid. It's already been established. It's already in place today. And as you receive Christ, you plant your feet firmly on that foundation. And now you and I are able to begin to build our Christian lives. But the very moment that we start to stray away from God, stray away from Christ in that sense, the moment we start to believe that we can build our lives on someone or something other than Jesus Christ, my friend, we are in for a real mess. And we have to understand if we're going to reach our full potential for Jesus Christ, we've got to continue to build on the very foundation that we began on, and that's Jesus the person, Jesus Christ. What's next? Well, it's one thing, something that we rarely talk about, something that it seems is less of a communication point than ever before. It seems like in churches across the country, we want to talk about a lot of felt needs, but we want to talk about the most important need, and that's holiness and purity. Well, we've got to have it if we're going to reach our full potential for Christ. So many times, this is one of the elements or building blocks that we're trying to skip. I mean, we're willing to put in the time. We're willing even to put in the effort. We'll go to all the activities. We'll follow up uh, uh, with people even that are in need. We may end up in church and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We'll do all the things, but when it's all said and done, the power will be lacking if indeed we fail to have the purity. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Is that you, Travis? <laughs> Just checking. Had to get you involved, brother. Had to get you involved. Second Corinthians, he knows I pick on him all the time. But anyway, moving on. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a mouthful. I don't know if, 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 if you're like me, but purity in the world in which we live is not always an easy thing to arrive at. Man, everywhere we go and every place we attend, it seems that there's something that's trying to bide for our attention, first of all, but then also redirect our attention away from God to things that are not holy, to things that are not pure Boy, I tell you, it is a battle. It's a constant battle in our lives. And let's be honest, these things called computers and phones and, and all these electronic devices don't help at all. I mean, you go down the street even and billboards are flashing and, and you, you've got uh, all kinds of things signaling you and drawing your attention, but it's rarely to holiness or godliness. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. Man, that, that's a tall order today. It's always been a tall order. And people will say things like, well, you know, today it's much harder to be clean and pure than it's ever been. Can I tell you, it's never been easy. It's never been easy to be clean and pure. Never. This idea that because it's so difficult, we, you know, we have kind of a, we're going to grade on a curve, God. 
You know, it's just so much more wicked, so we'll grade on a curve. If you were in Sunday school today, you learned about the man who stood firm, the man who stayed clean, and the man who remained holy in his generation, that reached his generation, a man by the name of Noah. The Bible says he was the only man that God found on the earth at the time that was still pure, that was still clean. Man, I don't know about you, but i got to believe that it was far worse in the day of Noah than it is today even. We think sometimes that we have reached the depth of sin and degradation in America. My friend, we are only scratching the surface. We are headed down and we are moving quickly. Unless there is a revival in America, we haven't seen anything yet. Purity. Man, I want to reach my potential for Christ. Well, then you better build on the foundation, the Lord Jesus, the person Christ. And you better ensure that purity is a priority in your life. Because purity always leads to the power. Without purity, there is no power in the Christian life. You know, we uh, have to be very careful not to miss this truth. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Boy, Romans is a powerful, powerful book has so many powerful truths and principles. As a matter of fact, in Sunday school, not next week, but the week after, we're going to be starting a series in the book of Romans. You want to be a part of that. If you're not involved now, by all means, get involved and be a part of that. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." Man, the emphasis and the, just the, the focus is on the power of God as a result of purity. Man, God's power is available to you and I, but it's available as we yield ourselves to holiness. We talk about the filling of the Spirit of God. How are we to be filled if we are already full of self and sin? There's no place for the Spirit if indeed we have closed Him out, left no room for Him. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that now work, that worketh in us, oh, excuse me, that the power of his might, he says. 
It's the power of His might that matters. Man, it's not my power that needs to be increased. It's my yieldedness so His power can work in and through me. And be on, let's be honest. We do a lot in our own strength. You know, I mean, and I hope that you're not like me, okay? I hope that you uh, do far better than I do in this area. But I find myself functioning and operating in in the strength of my own flesh so often. I would like to believe that I'm always inviting Christ to do it in and through me. But there are so many things, if I'm not careful, that I've become so used to doing that I think... I know what I'm doing. I can handle that. What I mean, I, you know, just put a shirt on? That's nothing. You say, that's ridiculous. Until you can't. Well, I'll tell you what. The last two days, my shoulder has been giving me nothing but trouble. My wife, she shows up this morning. She's out in the, the we, we said, said goodbye to her this morning before I left for church. And I leave a little earlier than some. And uh, I got ready to go out, and here's my wife, and, and uh, she's, my jacket's sitting on the chair. She grabs the jacket, and I was like, oh. She starts to help me with my jacket. And I said, okay. So I'm trying to put my arm in the jacket, and I'm like, no, 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 lower it, lower it, lower it. I couldn't put my arm back. Now it feels good today. I've been taking Advil. Let me tell you something. We take so much for granted, don't we? We take so much for granted, and when it's not there, we go, oh, man, what's going on? God's so good to us. And may I say it's his power that keeps us moving in the right direction. It's his strength that keeps us serving him the way we ought to. And too many times, if we're not careful, we're teaching our Sunday school lessons because we've done it so many times, we know exactly what to put down, what to say, and how to say it. And boy, we have got everybody convinced that God's in on it when maybe he's not. And it's true in our choir singing. It's true in our specials. It's true in our daily walk in life. Boy, we've got to depend on Christ Jesus. It's His power we need. And so many times, we can get by without His power, so we don't need to be pure. Boy, we've got to build on the foundation, and that's the person, Jesus Christ. We need the purity that comes from a life that is focused and prioritizing purity all the time. We need the power that comes from a pure life. Because that will ultimately enable us to practice properly. To do the right things. The way God intends us to. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 please. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. As you're turning there to 1 Timothy 4 12. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Boy, I'll tell you what, God intends that our life align with our profession. Our life has to align itself with our profession. To boy, go around saying I'm a Christian, but then not living the life is inconsistent. It's hypocritical, if you will. 
And, and you know, there's a lot of people today in the world that claim to be Christian that don't really live a lot like a Christian. You know, and I, you and I both know it. And may I say, before we get on that bandwagon, before we start pointing fingers, let's be very careful that we are looking at ourselves too. Well, if only they were like me. Really? I'm just saying, let's be careful. I'm not saying that we can't judge. Hey, I'm going to tell you, this thing about judging is a joke. Don't judge me. That's God's business. You're supposed to love me no matter what. That doesn't mean I have to embrace your sin, nor does it mean I can't see things for what they really are. A guy beats his wife, and I'm supposed to call him a good man? Oh, he's a good man. It's just he has a little problem with his temper. You ladies are like, oh, you think that's what it is? You're lucky I'm not the one dealing with that. I'm telling you right now, first of all, you shouldn't have to deal with that. But the fact is, is this. I don't think that's a good man all of a sudden. You say, you can't judge him. Show me in the Bible where that's being good. The Bible's pretty clear. That's not something the Christian goes around doing. That's a bad person that does those things. Oh, well, he's a good man. He's just struggling in that one area. Well, he better get it right so he can be the good man he ought to be, the godly man he should be. You know, we've just so, we've just so made, made sin so appealing, and so it's just so normal today, isn't it? I mean, we've dumbed ourselves down to the point where you don't have to really be living a life for Christ to be a good Christian anymore. But let me tell you, God expects our practice to align with our profession. And that, I'll tell you what, Christianity is defined in the Scriptures, and, and how to be a Christian is outlined in Scripture. You, you don't have to go too far to know what's right and wrong if you read the Bible and you study the Scriptures. And I'm telling you, we've gotten away from it, and we'll say things like, well, I may not do this, but I'm still a Christian. Well, then start acting like one, sir. Because God intends us to reach our full potential. And if we're not going to build on the person, the foundation, Jesus Christ, we're not going to in, uh, prioritize purity in our life, we're not going to experience the power that God intends for us, then there's no way we're going to properly practice as God intends. 1 Timothy 4.12. You're there? Notice what he says. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Hey, listen, God's not just about your heart. All God, God looks at my heart. That's all that matters. Uh-uh, uh-uh. He says you be an example. You make sure when people see you, they see what a Christian ought to be. That's what he's saying to them. He's not saying that you have to stand up on the stage and say, everybody be like me. That's not what he's implying. What he's implying is that when people see you, they should say, that's what a Christian is. Amen. Not that I have to, oh, look at him. He's really up there. That's not what it's about. That's not be, I'm an example to all my friends. Why don't you just be the Christian you ought to be so when they look at you, they say, Amen. now that's what a Christian looks like. Amen. That's what the point is. And God expects you and I to be that tonight. That's a big responsibility. Can I tell you that it's easy to pretend that, but it's another thing to be that? Man, I tell you, we wonder sometimes, oh, you know, preacher, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of baffled. I mean, they seem like the perfect couple. I don't know what went wrong. Just last week, 
I mean, they were teaching Sunday school and singing in the choir, and now I heard that she left him or he left her, and they're looking to get divorced. You know that didn't happen two days ago? That was called a, massage, a, a facade. That was a, a, a play act. They were just putting on the dog, as my grandma would say. They were pretending to be that in the midst of the congregation, but that's not who and what they were. Their practice was not really their person. And I'm telling you, God expects our practice to align with our profession. This stuff where we're playing games, we wait till we're ready to fall apart in our marriages, fall apart in our homes, fall apart at our workplace, lose our minds and go crazy and, or turn from God to the world. We wait till the last minute to do all this without ever seeking help because we're so embarrassed somebody may know we're not as good a person as we've pretended to be. So we put this face on, this, this facade and all along, God's going, I just want you to be real. I want you to be genuine. I want you to be authentic. I want you to be the real thing. Quit playing around. You're supposed to practice, that's right. But until you've got some purity and you're doing it in my power, it's just hypocrisy. The pyramid of potential. Because ultimately, the goal is to reach our potential. We arrive at patience. Patience. You say, why would you throw patience in? I mean, we're talking about the person, a foundation, Jesus Christ, and how purity is so important, and we must prioritize purity if we want the power of Christ in our life, which enables us to practice as God intended. I'll tell you why patience is there, because if you're going to ever reach your potential for Christ, you have to learn to wait on the Lord. I know, I have known young men, young ladies, older men, older ladies. I believe godly people. I believe folks that sincerely are seeking purity in their life, want God to do a work in their life, want the power of God upon them, want to practice the right things, and they get impatient. And everything gets blown up. Do you know Moses, when he's in Egypt, Moses wanted the right thing, at the wrong time. That's why he killed the Egyptian. He took matters into his own hands. He was the deliverer all along. But that wasn't the right timing. And you know, you and I as Christians, we can honestly want everything God wants for us. We can want full, to reach our full potential for Christ. But if we get impatient, we can lose it all. Just like that. Look at Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. I've often said, one of the main thoughts in my whole Christian life, in my mind, has always been this. The Christian life is nothing more than a waiting game. To me, that's how I viewed the Christian life. You always have to wait on someone else, and that someone else is him. Every time I try to go forward without him, it's a mess. I'm always waiting on God. And you must always be waiting on God. If I'm not, and when I don't, huh, there it is, problems. Look at the Bible. Look at characters in the Bible. When they failed to wait on God, what happened? We make, we make a mess of things. 
in our personal lives, our professional lives, our spiritual lives. Big mess. Look what the Bible says here. It's important that you and I consistently wait on him. Always wait on him. Wait on the Lord, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And it will take courage to wait, doesn't it? Because sometimes it's scary. And you're thinking, i got to do something now, man. I am going under fast. Or the enemy is really attacking right now. you got to be courageous to wait on him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Notice again, he's telling us here to wait on the Lord to, and be, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. He says, he will come along and meet the need. He will strengthen you in the midst. He may not deliver you out of the problem, but he'll give you the power to overcome it. But you gotta wait on him. How many folks have found themselves in a mess when it comes to finances? Because they failed to follow God's laws and rules and principles concerning money, and as a result, they find themselves in a horrible mess because they would not wait on God. They didn't want to do it God's way. They already had their own goals or their own dreams and their own means by which or, 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 or uh, things that they sought to obtain. I'm telling you, you have to wait on God. And that's what the Bible tells us. It's plain as day. Notice and turn, if you would, to Isaiah 40, verse 31. Great passage in the Old Testament. Tremendous. How many young men or young ladies have messed up with who they've married because they could not wait? I'm telling you, this waiting thing, this patience is huge. It is huge. I just, I got to have a girlfriend. I got to have a boyfriend now. And then that leads to something else. What did the preacher say just a week or so ago? He said, Exceptions. Well, I'm going to wait on the Lord except in this one area. And that one exception leads to another and to another and to another. And pretty soon, there you go. Notice what he says. This is so good in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Sounds a lot like Psalm, doesn't it? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Man, I don't know about you, but boy, I'll tell you what. They, they, they've got it all figured out. Things are clicking in their life. They're waiting on the Lord and God is blessing them and meeting needs in their life. They're on a full dash and they're moving well. As Brother Hamblin would say, you're running well. But you know what? You don't run well when you're not patient. You've got to be patient and wait on the Lord. What is it in your mind that's causing you anxiety? What's causing you to feel unnerved and just anxious? What, what is it in your life or your family or whatever it might be, relationships, that's causing you to consider taking a step without a green light from God? I'm not talking about, well, I, I, I prayed about it. I don't care if you prayed about it. 
This idea, I prayed about, that makes it right? Did God tell you to do it? Well, I mean, I just, he didn't tell me not to. Well, good for you. Guess what you've got to look forward to? You've got the same thing to look forward to as I do right now. Walking off a cliff. That's what you've got to look forward to. I prayed about it. Well, good. But until you get a green light answer from God, my friend, you, don't got, you have no reason to move at all. You be patient and you wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's what he tells us. But we got to move now. I'm going to buy that stock today. You might want to pray about it. Because I know somebody that knows the future. You say, well, I've lost a few. That doesn't mean you didn't necessarily get what God was. Sometimes he wants you to fail and take a big loss just so you don't get a big head. But you better make sure God's in it. Why is it that with our finances, we think we can operate on our own? We can leave God behind. Well, I'm going to open this 401k and this is how much I'm going to put in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be prepared. And when I retire, I'll have all this money. It'll be great. And then they'll change the currency on us. None of us will have a dime. We better just at least pray about it, right? That'd be a good thing. And ask God, hey, what do you want? I'm not going to do anything to you. Tell me what to do. And it may be the exact same thing that you had on your mind, but he will make it very clear it's what he wants. And you know what the fun thing about that is and the wonderful thing about waiting on God is that when you ultimately wait on the Lord and make a decision or allow him to make the decision, I should say, guess who's responsible for the results or outcome? Or consequences. He is. Man, I did what God said and look what happened. Well, that's God's business. You don't have to blame yourself. Man, that was a stupid decision I made. Well, I didn't make it. God did. If you really know God did it. I knew before I ever started Community Baptist Temple that this was indeed what God wanted for me. I had no doubt in my mind. I still had a preacher. I remember my pastor saying, well, if you know God wants you to start a church, brother, what are you waiting on? Get out there and start a church. And I said, well, brother, I'm waiting on God to give me the green light to go. I'm not going to move till God tells me go. He said, but if you already know you're supposed to start a church, I don't think God's that concerned about where or when. Just get started and do it. And I said, I'm waiting on God to tell me where. I'm waiting on God to tell me when. And I'll wait till God to tell me Go. Can I tell you what that helped me with? It didn't matter what came my way. I knew God put me right in the middle of that mess or right in the middle of the blessing. All I knew is that God was always in everything. You say, well, that family got out of sorts or this situation didn't seem too good. That's ah, no big deal. That's God's problem. He put me here. He'll deal with it. It's his problem. God, now you're the one who told me to do this, so I'm just going to trust you to get me through it. Wait on the Lord. Be patient because you'll never reach your full potential for Christ if you can't wait on the Lord. Because ultimately, when we build on the foundation, the person, Jesus Christ, when we prioritize purity in our life that ultimately provides us with the power God intends and enables us to practice as God would like, and then we wait on God and patiently trust him every step of the way, we'll reach our full potential. We'll reach the potential. We'll reach the pinnacle 
of what God intends for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to become everything God wants me to be. I don't want to stand before the Lord one day at the judgment seat of Christ and hear him say, well, you left a lot on the table, brother. You left a lot undone. You could have had so much more and you could have cast so much more at my feet, but you got impatient or you didn't seek my power. You weren't willing to be pure. You didn't allow me to help you reach your full potential. I don't want that and neither do you. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 37. This is a great passage too. Wow, what a powerful, powerful passage in the Bible. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he says, Nay, in all these things... Uh, let, let's go back and look at this. This is just too good. Let's go back there. Let's take uh, chapter 8. Let me, let me hear. I had that verse printed out, but there's just too many good ones in front of it. Let's just go back just a couple verses. Let's go to 35, 835. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, it's funny, isn't it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the first thing is tribulation. Is tribulation of who? That's an interesting study, huh? Who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, you know what? There's not one person that's going to separate you from the love of Christ. And there's not one thing that can do that either. That's what he's saying there. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. When's the last time you approached the Christian life and went, you know what? I'm just a sheep for the slaughter. I'm going to take a bullet for everybody in the church. I'm going to give my life for everybody here. I'm not going to care about me. I'm just going to let the world, I'm going to let people, I'm going to let everything just eat me alive. For their sakes. That's what the Apostle Paul just said. Look what he said. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, however, in all these things, no matter how grim it gets, no matter how difficult it becomes, no matter how many enemies we face, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. You talk about reaching potential, more than a conqueror. I don't know about you, but I want to conquer some things in my life. You know, we want to conquer sin in our life. We want to conquer uh, impatience. We want to conquer uh, our, our, our uh, lustful feelings. We want to conquer uh, things. We want to conquer the, the devil, in a sense, by reaching souls and winning people to Christ. There's a lot of things we want to take ground. We want to conquer he says, you're not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. More than that even. You're not limited to just the scope of your imagination. You're even more so a conqueror than you can even imagine. You're, you're, you're like Gideon, who looks around and says, me, Lord? You, you want me? 
to take down the Midianites? 120,000 Midianites? Me, God? Why not? You're more than a conqueror. What potential we have. It really is ours for the seizing, the taking. The real question is, will we build on the person, Jesus Christ? Will we prioritize purity in our lives? Will we allow that purity to promote power by which to live the Christian life victoriously so that our practice aligns itself with Scripture and God's expectation? Then will we act in patience, waiting on the Lord at every turn and every decision, trusting that He alone knows best reaching our full potential for Christ. The pyramid of potential. What's lacking in your life tonight? What element is missing that will keep you from reaching your full potential? Is there anything missing? If not, praise the Lord. Keep doing what you're doing and even do more than ever. But maybe tonight, Something in the pyramid of potentials missing, an element which will ultimately hinder and hamper your ability to become everything God intended and to reach your full potential. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts tonight. And Lord, as we give thought to these elements, we pray, Lord, that you would bring to our remembrance and our mind areas that are in need or an area that's in need. And may we be humble enough to admit it and come and ask you to give us grace and strength to overcome those things in our life that we might, Father, ultimately be everything you intend us to be, want us to be, desire us to be, and we can reach our full potential for you. God, help us tonight as believers to not leave something on the table, but Lord, to just leave it on the field and give our very best to you every day of our life. Oh, Lord, help us. We need you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.